Well, good morning. Um, I was going to talk about the obscure night of the soul, but what I ended up doing is, well, I've begun studying the larger um, work, which is the ascent of Mount Carmel. And why this is important, because I told you yesterday that um, St. John of the Cross was writing about the dissolution of self, loss of hope, meaning, uh, value, joy in the world, right? You found no joy in anything you do, particularly things that used to bring you joy. That's the definition of this modern malaise. But since I'm still going through uh, the ascent of Mount Carmel, it's a large tome. I thought I would share my experience in the last couple of days because I'm wrong. I was very wrong. And I had no idea how wrong I was. All right. So, uh, yesterday, as I said, I walk every morning. Well, yesterday morning, I was listening to, I believe I was listening to the ascent of Mount Carmel because it's a long, it's about 12 hours long, I think, at normal speed. And as I said, um, when I first listened to these things, I listened to them at about normal speed, a little bit faster, just so you know, most things are recorded uh, with average speed, or sorry, the most audiobooks seem to be put out at one time speed, but that seems slower than natural. It seems to me 1.15 or 1.2 times speed seems to be the normal speed, conversation, and what have you. Right, so I listened to it at fairly normal speed. But yesterday I was just out for a walk, and uh, again, I hurt my foot, uh, so I was out of the, what do you call it, uh, the walking for a little while. So I kind of fell away from some of the people I used to see every day. And there was this one gentleman with, with a dog that I used to see regularly, and he has problematic, um, what do you call it, uh, views, stances on things. Um, just based on the conversations. And the wife and I have both agreed not to talk politics with this guy anymore because he's a little toxic. And I'll give you an example. So this gentleman votes uh, NDP. And this is why I say, um, this is why we don't discuss politics with him anymore because he seemed horrible as a person. Racist, discriminatory, toxic. Yet voting for the NDP, which is essentially like the American um, extreme Democrat Party, right? These defund the police, uh, you know, uh, extreme activist party. That's what the DNDP was supposed to be, right? Help everybody, you know, uh, end discrimination, end racism, you know, this idea, the diversity, inclusion, and equity idea. But, as I said, it seems that he just made it a habit to support them because he used to work for uh, a union shop. But this was just us guessing because he was smart enough to not really let anything slip that would tell us for sure how he saw these things. He definitely doesn't see others, um, you know, as equal. He sees others as less than because of some of the comments he's made. Now, yesterday, uh, I was walking and this gentleman was talking to one of his friends, and, and his dog loves me to death. So she was squeaking and moaning and jumping around, so I had to stop, the poor little girl. So I was just visiting with her, and I had very little to do with them. Every once in a while, they'd, you know, interact with me a little bit. But I guess because this is one of his buddies, that he kind of let his guard down a little bit. And plus, maybe he's like, yeah, well, this kid, I, you know, we're close 20 years difference in age, but close. 
he let his guard down. And so he proceeded to tell a story about being down in Jamaica and how he was the only pink person in the bar and, oh, these women were so ugly, but there was no way I would turn them down. I mean, the ugliest woman I've ever seen, but just went on and on and on um, in a very problematic way, which is fine. I mean, I could even make the joke that, uh, you know, uh, the variations and shades of all of these different people. But proceed to today, and I ran into him, just the two of us. And um, so we were just chatting, and, and he's, he made some comments, very apathetic, uh, sad, pathetic um, uh, comments about, oh, I don't care about, you know, other people or what's happening. Oh, the world's just messed up, and it's all falling apart, and deck what happened. And I just tried to explain to him. I said, well, that's what Nietzsche and Carl Jung wrote about, the, this this uh, disconnection from the, you know, this uh, each other and that. Right? I tried to explain to him the unity of opposites that you have to understand, you know, good and bad and others and this sort of stuff. But he proceeded, I can't remember how it came around to religion. I was talking about the disconnect and, and how I think that the loss of meaning and hope. And I guess he equated that to religion. Uh, he later told me he's, he's an agnostic, but definitely an atheist. But he proceeded to tell me that he asked, he asked, he doesn't understand religious people, and he asked a religious person why he would vote for Trump, considering that he, uh, he cheated uh, three times. And I proceeded to ask him, so who would this person vote for? I mean, the other candidate cheated on his wife with a babysitter, and never mind the diary about showering with his daughter. And He proceeded to say, oh, well, I showered with my daughter, but I, I had to enlighten him on this truth that the young lady was scared of her father coming into a shower. That's not normal, right? In fact, part of it began when he was telling me that his father wouldn't allow him to get anything but a brush cut till he left the house. And I explained to him that, yeah, I get that, right? But that's a bit tyrannical. I said, the problem here is we have, you know, extremists. We have, he, he blamed today's society on these parents that don't uh, treat their kids the way his father treated them, tyrannically. And I told him, well, no, well, you see the problem, right? You were raised by a tyrannical father that literally abused you in the way he spoke to you and treated you, right? Because we're seeing today that leaving a child crying in the crib can cause some issues, serious issues, a disconnect from those they, they thought took care of them and the ones they thought, um, you know, the love. It's this connection, this bonding. So it's no different. And I explained this, that, I mean, I had just done this course on shame. And we explained this, that when children, and I explained this to them, when children are young, they don't understand danger. So we use shame um, to keep them from hurting themselves. But a good parent will reinforce the good behavior, right? You'll shame them, oh, don't touch the hot stove. And of course, kids will be, oh, scared. But you have to reinforce, good for you, you know? And so they don't understand danger, but they do seem to understand shame. Fast forward to today, he's blaming all of society's problems on the fact that parents don't do any sort of guidance for their children. But he's opining for a time when children had no freedom, no agency. And I explained how important agency is when it comes to this. Right? But as I said, proceeded to talk about uh, Trump as being the problem. Great changing subject uh, because, you know, I guess problem because, you know, his worldview might have been challenged. But as I said, he said he didn't understand. 
right? And so I just explained, well, there's where our problem is, right? We have this, this vacillation between the self and the other instead of seeing us as a team, right? Instead of being liberals versus uh, conservatives, right? Democrats versus Republicans. Instead of seeing us as Canadians, as Americans, as human beings. I said, speaking of someone in that way only denatures yourself, right? Because what ended up happening between uh, the two of us is I, I asked him about that, right? Like, who would you vote for if they're both just as bad or arguably worse? I explained about contrition, right? Cheating on an adult person I don't think is near as bad as, um, you know, children. But he didn't seem to be bothered by that. So I just asked him, I said, there's nothing you've ever done that you regret, you feel shame or... Right? He's no, no, nothing at all. And so I proceeded to remind him about what he said yesterday and told him that that's something that should make you realize that you have this same shadow within yourself. And that until you realize that you are capable of these same transgressions as anyone else and maybe more curious about yourself and others, and less judgmental. He proceeded to bring up Israel. That, to me, just shocked me. Because I was just talking about that's why we have this problem of racism and discrimination, them and others, and anti-Semitism, uh, right? He proceeds to say, well, who says Israel has a country? Has a homeland? What other religion has a homeland? And I'm like, what? So I said, so you are part of this anti-Zionist. He's, oh, no, no, but, but wait a minute here. And I recommended the movie Exodus, right? Because it, rather than reading all of these uh, history books, he said Otto Preminger um, made that movie specifically so that we could understand that Palestine, British Palestine at the time, it wasn't about religion keeping the Jews out. It was about, about not wanting to feed them and house them and take care of them. That was purely a selfish, no different to today. But no. I was wrong. I thought these things were a thing in the past. Yes, I brought up the fact that the amount of French discrimination and um, you know, indigenous uh, hate and discrimination here in Canada. All of this just seems to be on the rise. How often I hear people talk negatively about the entire LGBTQIA plus uh, community has exploded. Right? They're not just talking about some of these extremists. Um, right? The example I'll give is they say that all trans men and trans women should have equal rights. Yet the military in the U.S. just declared that a person born a man, doesn't matter if they transition, they still have to register for the draft. Well, that means they're not seeing them as a woman. They still see them as a man. In fact, it goes worse because they say that a woman that transitions to be a man doesn't register. So again, they're not an actual man. 
And this is where the problem comes in. If you don't have a system that you can be confident and devoted to uh, and be committed to, then you don't have meaning. You don't have a direction. You're rudderless, as they say, right? Those 10 directions to the compass. And the two most important are the zenith and the nadir. And if you aren't, as I said about our flag, there's this word in our um, national anthem called uh, uh, esperant. In French, it means we grow up hopeful. Uh, but it's deeper than that, right? We have a spirit instilled with the belief in the future. This is the zenith. This is uh, Nietzsche's Ubermensch. This is kenosis. This is the archetype of the hero, of the Christ, of Jesus. Shiva, sorry, I'm, I'm just, I'm rambling at this point because I was so shocked uh, because I read one of our conservative politicians, who is uh, a Jewish um, lady, uh, mention some, uh, well, I can't remember the word she used, but like, you know, subversive uh, anti-Semitism. I'm like, no, come on, that can't be it. It was just an accident. Because what it was is um, uh, we've had three recent issues with uh, government funding to organizations. The first two had the funding stopped almost immediately when they found out there was a problem. The most recent one was uh, the person in charge of this organization had uh, made a number of <laughs> very objectionable anti-Semitic remarks. Well, it took them a month to uh, end the funding to that organization. And then that's what made me think about this. Well, wait a minute. When we add to that, we have a member of our cabinet, right? So these, this is, you know, adjacent to our prime minister, adjacent to the leader. He's making actual policy decisions in closed-door sessions. One of the cabinet ministers, uh, he was the minister of transportation recently. I don't know what he is now. They keep jostling him around. But what's sad is he had a position that he really shouldn't have had or arguably shouldn't even be in cabinet because this gentleman, when he ran an organization here in Canada, was declared that organization and arguably because he was running it by proxy, were declared by a Supreme Court justice to be anti-Semitic, both the organization and the people within it, because of their individual comments, their behavior, the policies and all this sort of stuff. But worse yet, they actually were declared to have supported Hezbollah and Hamas. So, supporting terrorists. And yet, when one of our politicians said, well, wait a minute, isn't that maybe a little problematic? Because, I mean, if you've already been declared an anti-Semite, which is hard to do when you are Semitic, let's be honest, but if you've been declared as such, meaning what they mean by that is anti-Jewish, uh, uh, anti-Zionist, whatever you want to call it. It's just hate for another group for no reason. Because if you read the Quran, it very clearly states that you're all believers in the same faith, essentially Abrahamic faith. All believers in one God. And if you turn towards truth and do good works after good works, you should all be respected equally. Yet... He was called racist. And worse yet, I've mentioned this before, he was, he was uh, called uh, con, 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 
which uh, was invented. Uh, there is such a thing as con, which means dense or stupid. Con con uh, is like really stupid. So I guess con 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 means like the height of stupidity. But wow, that kind of shows that they are right because currently here in Canada they're losing their mind over a hashtag supposedly uh, connected to um, a men's first organization. I'm not even familiar with what it's about. Um, but when we have our own prime minister and his cabinet that have knowingly done extremely worse things, it's funny that these people will believe what they're fed in the media rather than use their own logic. Right? Because the next one was uh, our emergency act that was just implemented up here. And it was designed to replace the War Measures Act that was used in the 70s. What happened is we had a group of terrorists that even killed a member of provincial parliament, I believe. Uh, they killed a politician. I can't remember what his position was. But of course, this is our prime minister's father, Trudeau, Pierre Elliott Trudeau. He got criticized for his implementation and he went a little too far. But the gentleman, again, that I'm talking about, no, he's followed the propaganda completely because he said, oh, no, he... Uh, he used the War Measures Act in criticism, but he proceeded after we had our conversation to say, oh, I support them both. So rather than listen to all the facts, he doubled down on the lies. Because I even told him about uh, Trudeau Sr. The criticism for his implementation of the War Measures Act was not because he waited too long, as he said. No, it wasn't because he waited too long. It was because he overdid it, right? He had tanks on the streets and he was kicking indoors. It was actually... Um, suppressing charter rights before there was such a thing. So that's why they got rid of the War Measures Act and we have this new Emergency Act, so this wouldn't be repeated. And that's why we also implemented the Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms, so this wouldn't repeat. But fast forward to last year, the only three reasons that our government can implement the Emergency Act are foreign risks, violence, uh, whatever you want to call it. And now that they're doing the inquiry almost a year later, we're finding out that the reasons they gave for implementing this emergency act were all a lie. And worse yet, the mayor himself, who actually is just horrible as well, the statements he's made since, was actually caught on a phone call saying that, why would you implement the emergency act? I mean, it's about to be all finished in a day or so, like just wait. And that's what this gentleman at first said is the reason why Trudeau was, was wrong, because he waited too long. What? I mean, uh, the original Trudeau, he waited too long. But he's telling me, what, what, uh, did he implement it too fast? I said, well, yes. Your criticism for his father that he, he waited too long to implement it is the opposite with his son, because he implemented it too quickly because they were actually about to leave, in which case... It just would have made him look bad. And sadly, all it's done is make him look bad because not only has he not uh, listed a, a, um, a group as terrorists, even though he said he would, that's the actual situation we're dealing with. He says in tweets that he supports the protests uh, over, say, in Iran, where people are actually dying. And there's actual violence and, and just 
horrible human rights abuses. Yet over here, he abused human rights and our charter rights for peaceful protests. That's come out of the inquiry since as well. That every day the reports from the police were saying there was no violence. They were completely, uh, you know, peaceful and, and um, what would you call it, uh, you know, um, they were being uh, helpful or whatever you'd call it, right? So here we said, my theory, though, might be true. The fact that, uh, as Jung said, the majority of evil in this world can be can be attributed to the fact that uh, most people walk around completely unconscious. Right? Because there's a gentleman who swallowed the propaganda wholesale, never waking up to it, yet when someone tells him, you're wrong, not just trust me, I said, no, just go and research this yourself. The same as I said about um, Israel. I said, you can look this stuff up and realize that, you know, the British, it wasn't a religious thing. They, they just didn't want to have to take care of um, the Jewish people. And in fact, I forgot to mention, Canada even refused to take Jewish refugees, children even, after the war. That's something we should be ashamed of. And I have no Jewish blood in me whatsoever. I just believe that discrimination in all of its forms um, is wrong. Right? And then this gentleman proceeded to say, oh, well, you can't get rid of it. People are just that. That was his response. Right? So we're just naturally racist and discriminatory and horrible and we're liars and we're pedophiles. But that's just the way it is. And yet he proceeded to ask a religious gentleman why he would vote for someone who had cheated on his wife. But he's voting for people who are supporting terrorist groups or pedophiles. So I told him, I said, what you got to realize is what Jung told us. You have to awaken to the, the shadow in your soul. When you realize you have a darkness in you that could do any of these sorts of things. We've seen this recently. Uh, for my entire life in philosophy, there was always this question, would you be a Nazi uh, concentration camp guard? And we've seen firsthand that the vast majority of people would support it. Because the propaganda they've pushed in the last couple of years is no different than, uh, than back then. Most people knew it was BS, but eventually they just went along with it. Right? Because the real sad case that we all love to talk about the Yahtzees, uh, but there is less German people that supported the Yahtzees than currently support any of these malevolent uh, organizations we have today. Less. In fact, the numbers even in the uh, the upper uh, echelons in the uh, the Yahtzee uh, military was only about twenty some percent were even members of the party. Whereas here in Canada, we're seeing only a few police officers stood up for what their oath was and what they felt to be true. Because yesterday, an intelligence officer with the Ontario Provincial Police completely blew this wide open. The fact that everything that was said, for the most part, was a lie. That uh, they had every right to protest, as everyone should. So, if they're lying about that to that extreme, 
Today I came to the conclusion that, yes, I made a joke once uh, in a room with some friends that Canadians are among some of the most racist people. And I may have been right. And I may have been wrong that I thought it was a joke. Because if a Canadian will just matter-of-factly uh, support pedophiles and anti-Semites, uh, openly deride Jewish people just because they're Jewish, openly deride people because their religion doesn't keep them from supporting someone who has moral flaws, yet they themselves have moral flaws. It reminds me of some of these courses. I'm not exaggerating. I'm in a couple of courses for psychiatrists, psychologists, therapists, and uh, recently one of them, a psychiatrist and a well-known, highly renowned, respected psychiatrist, said that a large chunk, I won't specifically say, but a large chunk of these psychiatrists should, what they're treating in, in, in their patients is what they should be treating in themselves. Right? Because I want to go back to the dawn of what we're doing here. Right? Because I'm just trying to heal my trauma, but I had to learn what is psychology and what is medicine. Well, that's what psychiatry was supposed to be. When we realize the truth of Gestalt, that you can't treat the mind without treating the body and vice versa, well, the psychiatrist was meant to see this Gestalt of the mind and body complex. But fast forward to today, in a separate course, a psychiatrist said the vast majority, 80 plus percent of psychiatrists are just treating symptoms, handing out pills, and not treating the symptoms. And the reason why that's a shock to me is because one of the foremost traumatologists, both a doctor and a psychiatrist now, I believe, Basil van der Koltz, said the exact same thing in his book. But he was talking about late 50s or early 60s when he was like just doing a rotation in a psych hospital. What shocked him is then these psychiatrists, these doctors that were supposed to be helping these patients were actually only treating the patients, the symptoms, to minimize the impact on their lives, the doctors. Right? Not that different from what I mentioned about the British keeping out the refugees because they just didn't want the hassle. Can it be much different from Canada? Because we would have had lots of room. But we said no. So here we are. We're dealing with a, a, a malaise that was 20% of Carl Jung's population post-World War I because of the, the, uh, the inhumanity that they witnessed. Well, what is that doing, us to, uh, doing to us today? When we see the inhumanity of man, yet we are bound by social convention to deny it. That's that lack of hope. It's what Viktor Frankl wrote about. It's the argument that I make that the lotto is not irrational if it brings you meaning and hope, right? If it gives you that French word, espérance. Like if you have a spirit of hope, right? The opposite of this obscure night of the soul or the dark night of the soul. It's not strictly about religion. It's about losing your faith, 
your faith is your trust. When you lose faith in the system, in the community, in anything that you place value or meaning, we're left with nothing. Right? I wonder if I can go one step beyond Nietzsche who who wondered would we risk our humanity without language? When I'm without communicating with each other and ourselves, right, being alone in the wilderness in the desert, not having anything uh, I argue not so, but can this be very simple? If psychology has uh, essentially agreed on the truth, like uh, Carl Jung's happy fiction, that essentially life is inherently satisfying, chaotic, whatever you want to call it. Uh, Carl Friston's free energy, a physics principle, the fact that um, we will try to predict what the future will hold, but we can never know and it often surprises us. But our job is to work with the surprises, right? To minimize the surprise, just like trauma. Trauma is guaranteed, surprise is guaranteed, but it's how you work with it. As I said, the only difference between an experience that becomes traumatic and impinges on your life going forward is how you process it at the time, how you carry it forward, and how you, well, the story, right? Which is why I think I may have survived. I ran into this this morning. I finally, finally found the NFL films uh, that really changed my life uh, in no small way. Uh, Jim Otto was a center for, for the Oakland Raiders. And I saw a video and they called it um, Disposable Heroes. I've mentioned this before that I think you should never look too closely at your heroes because you'll always be disappointed. But there's something to be said that if we dispose of our heroes, does that not take away what we value and, and what, we, what we care about? Is, is it possible that by, by listing Carl Jung as a mystic and trying to, to minimize his teachings, have we missed the truth that Christ is nothing but an archetype? It's similar to the Buddhist ideal that you don't have to believe, or the Vedantin, you don't have to believe, even I mentioned to the wife this morning, you don't have to believe that the apostles existed. What you're missing is the lesson that it's intended to teach. right? Because it shocks me because I, I share, say, uh, something from the Bible and I'll get a little bit of you know kickback. But if I share, say, the translations with St. John of the Cross, nobody really notices. right? What's the difference between... Uh, the Dissolution of Self, written by Nietzsche, by Jung, by uh, St. John, or attributed to Matthew, Mark, Luke, Michael, or uh, the Rig Veda, or the, the, the Bhagavad Gita. I mean, truly, that's cultural appropriation or the racism. It's kind of like where Jung actually failed. Because Jung embraced the Yi Jing, the Chinese Book of Change, like I have, as an access to his active imagination or his simply his intuition. But he attributed the, the Asian mind as having something different. A skill or a perception or an understanding that we don't have. 
he was right, but not in the way he thought. It wasn't because the East has this concept of the self and the other that isn't present in the West. It's not that dissimilar from how they teach Buddhism and meditation in the West. They have completely denatured it to the point where it's only going to help a very small portion. When in reality, the way it was initially taught, and it was updated a number of times because people tend to uh, get lazy, the way it was initially taught is you begin on the cushion so that you can carry this calm, abiding introspection into everyday life so that you can manage the surprise of everyday life. But as Nietzsche said, the marketplace will denature all great truths, all new truths, all great heroes. So what is it I'm missing? That I that I'm not seeing. Are we just at the cusp? Is what I I um I console myself with. I consider that we're pushing ourselves to the edge because the human creature produces amazing things when they're challenged. So I personally wonder if we're at the dawn of a new awakening, right? Because um, as the pendulum swings the other way, like we had this globalist idea of, right, you could be borderless. and But all they did was accentuate the negative of tribalism and ignored the healing truth. Tribalism isn't meant for us to see them and others. It's just an attempt or a shortcut to trust. If the world is inherently suffering, dangerous, chaotic, you have to be on guard. That's our negativity bias. Tends to denature our joy. But it's a survival instinct, just like shame. But you have to accept the good and the bad. Otherwise, you have what the Chinese in the Chinese Book of Change would call an imbalance of the Tao. And it's just an idea of walking the central path is to manage insufficiency and excessiveness. If you find yourself leaning too far to one side or the other, it's like a canoe. Right? A canoe is tippy if you don't have it in the sweep spot, the balance. Right? If you don't make a canoe an extension of your body, it can become impossible to navigate because you have so many, what would you call it, um, different issues working against you, right? Because the water fights against your paddle. And the wind and the waves. And alone in a canoe, you have to do special strokes because your force will actually be wasted by going to and fro. Or worse yet, just go in circles. Right, so the lesson here is not that dissimilar from solo canoeing or kayaking. Every single stroke from how you dip it into the water to reduce your, your fatigue, never mind uh, to get your, your uh, maximum 
of, uh, of outcome. But you're constantly adjusting. You're constantly uh, looking at the horizon. You're watching your position, the boat, the, the direction, the amount of force you apply, and the actual uh, application of the paddle itself. Right, because we'll do something called a J stroke. Right, and that's what we're looking at here. There is no absolute solution. No, the gentleman's right. But if we throw up our hands and say there is no absolute solution, well, we're just going to the bottom real fast. Because there is a solution, there is no absolute perfection, but there is the solution, which is what Nietzsche was talking about in the Ubermensch. The solution is to shoot for the optimum. Do better followed by better. Good works followed by good works. Turning towards truth. As Hemingway said, it's not honorable to be better than anyone else. It is only honorable to be better than your previous self. Other than that, I don't know what I could say. I think Carl Jung... His lessons couldn't be more uh, apropos or prophetic because we all need to work on this process of ideation, the individuation. We need to know who we are and we need to awaken to the truth. I've said this since the very beginning. Anyone that will say they're not a racist is almost certainly a racist because everyone is inherently xenophobic, racist, discriminatory. I mean, we're tribal by nature. But our job is not to heighten the exclusionary uh, symptoms of tribalism, but to encourage the beautiful parts. The example that I often get, if you're stuck in traffic and it's all about you, right, your own little abode in your car, and somebody cuts you off, oh boy, does that really make you mad. But have you ever noticed if the person has a shared uh, bumper sticker on the vehicle? For some reason, that actually reduces your, your range. Arguably, I call that the oxytocin. Right? I call that the bonding hormone. It was bonding for uh, mother and child. And I argue it's bonding when we see what we share over trying to highlight our differences. So on that, wish you a fabulous day and thank you for your time.